Welcome to the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. We're Kate and Liam, married bisexuals a decade into our non-monogamous journey. We've been having sex with our friends for 10 years, and we're still madly in love with each other. We're the authors of the Monogamous Marriage blog, where we've been overthinking sex and love since 2016. This podcast is the place where we process our sexual adventures in real time. We are not experts, and nothing we say should be mistaken for professional advice. This show contains mature language and sexual content, so if you're under 18, it isn't for you. But if you're a fellow overthinker and you're not freaked out by unfiltered conversation, you're going to feel right at home. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Monogamish Marriage Podcast. Yeah, welcome everyone. I feel like when we left you, which was about five months ago, we made a terrible mistake. Well, we did end up going on a bit of a hiatus over the summer. Yeah. Spring and summer, really. Yeah. And hiatus is a very cool word for what we did completely incompetently, which is we just stopped recording. Now, if we had said in advance, hey, we're doing 11 episodes of our podcast and then we're going to take a break. And if on the occasion of the last episode, we said, this is the last episode, we'll see you in September, that would have been awesome. But that's not what we did. We just kind of lost steam. Well, we were traveling a lot. So starting way back at the beginning of May, we had at least one trip a month. So it became difficult to juggle those trips plus our regular life. And, you know, I quit my job and I had a family member pass away recently. So there's been a lot of stuff going on. All of which could have been accommodated if we had said... Yes, and now we're taking a break for the summer. But anyway, we're not going to let that happen this time. This year, we are committing to doing at least eight episodes. We're going to do one a month right through till next April. And when it is the last episode, we're going to say that it's the last episode. So I guess live and learn here in season two. So the original inspiration for this episode was to recap what we've been up to for the last five months, I guess, since we last did a podcast. But as we were preparing for the episode, a real theme started to emerge, and that was the tension between group play and solo play in the lifestyle, and specifically how that dynamic plays out with you being a person who prefers group play and me being a person who prefers solo play. Yeah, so for me, I've always said I love a good orgy because it's like a buffet. You can select from many options. So you've got girls and guys, you've got threesomes and foursomes. You can have any combination of fun and you can flit about from one thing to the next. So you don't have the same intense connection and expectation and pressure that I sometimes feel in a a full swap. So where there are just two couples in the room and the expectation is I'm going to fuck that guy. So I like being able to have options And I like being able to move away from one person or one situation once I feel like I've had enough fun here. I'm going to go find a different kind of fun somewhere else. So for me, group play is the best. Yeah, and it's funny. Normally, I would say I'm all for freedom and options. But in this specific situation, I actually prefer to have only one option, which is the person that I'm with. It allows me to relax, to be myself, to undistractedly connect with that individual. So you're going to see as we describe our travels and adventures exactly how that tension played out in our relationship. So we have been on four significant trips 
since mm-hmm. we last podcasted. And the first one was Montana, where we went for a Spartan race with Naughty Jim. The second was PCAP Palm Springs. So that's podcast of Palooza. And the third one was Naughty in New Orleans, obviously in New Orleans. And the final one was Room 77's Takeover in Antigua. So we're going to break down some of the highlights of those four trips. And as Liam mentioned, the pattern emerges that I like group play and you, not so much. Not so much. So thanks for joining us. So let's talk about some of the things that took us away from the podcast. So I mentioned that back in May, we went to Montana. So that trip was the first weekend in May, and it was a naughty gym adventure trip. And it was centered around a Spartan race. Right, which was fascinating because I had never even heard of the whole Spartan race phenomenon. But everyone I tell about it says, oh, yeah, I've been in one or I've been in several or my cousin's very serious about that. They are, for those of you who don't know races that are kind of like the old style cross country run except integrated with it is a number of obstacles in this case 20 obstacles like scaling a large wall running through mud all sorts of things no one would do for fun you wouldn't think except these things are so popular yeah so i was nervous about this because i'm a gym girl like i'm comfortable with weights and machines but don't make me do monkey bars Right. So I was training in the gym for two months in advance and feeling very anxious about letting the team down and looking stupid, but it turned out to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I was actually fearful for different reasons. I am kind of a cleanliness freak, and I understood that we might have to jump into a muddy creek and crawl on our hands and knees through it to the other side, and I thought... I don't think if I'm staring at a muddy creek, my body will let me hurl myself into it, even if that's what I want to do, because I have such a strong aversion to getting messy. Right. And we were lucky, maybe, (laughs) in that it was a cold weekend. In fact, it actually snowed on the day of the race. So the race administrators decided not to force us to get wet because they didn't want any frostbite. Yeah, and I was so relieved because that was really my last stress of the trip. I love the idea of testing myself physically. I'm all about that. But getting messy, I can't really do that. So that worked out really well for me that they canceled that aspect of the race. So the trip turned out to be a lot of fun. I didn't completely embarrass myself. No, you didn't. I actually completed several obstacles. And did better than me on several of the obstacles. But of course, the trip was five days long. This was just one day. So let's talk about some of the other things that happened. I really felt at the beginning that there is a danger that something is not going to happen. And that is that this would be the first lifestyle trip we had been on with no sex. And why did I think that? Not because there weren't a lot of sexy people. It was a group of, I guess, 12 couples who were very attractive, very smart, scary fit people. And I thought sexually that really works for me. But the itinerary was stacked with exhausting activity. So the first day was a travel day and Kalispell Airport in Montana is beautiful with a mountainous backdrop, but it is awkward to get to. Yeah, there were people whose flights were canceled and changed and they had to rent cars in different cities and drive hours and hours to get there. So it was a frustrating day. Scott and April were delayed by at least eight hours. Right. And as the trip coordinators, they were expecting to have that day to do some things at the lodge. So everybody came in tired and a little bit stressed. Right. So I could understand, yeah, no sex, it's a travel day. But the second day was the actual Spartan race. And it was something 
many of us, certainly the two of us, had never done before. The likelihood that we would emerge from that trial, that ordeal, <laughs> feeling ready for action was very low. So I thought, oh, yeah. So day one, travel, maybe no sex. Day two, Spartan race, maybe no sex. Day three was basically just the recovery day. But again, recovery day doesn't sound like a day when everyone gets together for an exciting high energy orgy. Yeah, in fact, that recovery day consisted of bowling, which was way right. more fun than I thought it would be. And uh, then we did a distillery tour, and mm -hmm. half the group opted to go back to the lodge and rest. But the other half of us stayed and drank a lot. So that didn't help us feel more energized by the end of the night. Right. Day four was a hike through Glacier National Park, and it was spectacular. That was definitely my vanilla highlight of the trip. Mm -hmm. So Glacier National Park, I don't know if it actually has any glaciers remaining. It um, once did, probably, before but it global warming. Had, yeah. Um, Snow-capped mountains and rivers that were beautiful turquoise color. And it was just a stunning place that I would never have gone to had it not been for this trip. And in the van on the way there, someone was passing around a mushroom chocolate bar. And so I partook in just a little bit of that. And it made the natural beauty of that hike even more heightened for me. So every time I turned a corner, I heard myself say, oh my God, it's so beautiful, to the point where I was kind of sick of hearing myself say that. Yeah, and there were a few of you who had ingested the shrooms. And so that experience you were having was being replicated by a number of other people. And once again, I did not take that substance, but I benefited from it because the overall lift in energy of awe, of wonder among you and the others had an effect on me too, it was great. Like we were just loving the natural beauty of Glacier National Park. Yeah, and there were a lot of hugs and some people were even tearful yes. about um, these beautiful connections we had made in this beautiful setting. And definitely the shrooms were part of that euphoria, but it was just a stunning place. And we were really struck by how lucky we were to be there with these amazing people. Yeah, and that was part of what Scott and April of Naughty Gym had accomplished. They had managed to take the sexual energy of the lifestyle and combine it with an athletic event set in a beautiful natural environment. And of course, that attracted a lot of interesting people. But we didn't get to actually play with those interesting no. people until the very last night. So every night there was a different theme party. So we had a lost in the wilderness party. Right. Um, we had a, a dress up night. And every night there was sexual tension and this anticipation that something was going to happen but no one took the lead. No one started the action. <laughs> Which is funny because you were there and I consider you to be a fire starter. That's what I call you and people like you because you have a way of breaking through that awkwardness or whatever other barriers there are to play. But even you couldn't rise to that occasion. It was tricky because there was a real combination of attendees there. Some of them were brand, brand new. Yes. And I was worried that I would come across as too aggressive or too forceful and scare those people. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to do my typical, just whip my clothes off and start the party. And it wasn't my event. So I was kind of waiting for Scott and April to take the lead and, you know, give the cues that now was the time for this to start happening. And it just never happened. Until the very last night. And I think everyone sensed that it's now or never time. <laughs> so 
the playrooms had been set up. We had actually been involved in arranging them. And everyone agreed to meet upstairs once the dinner and the general chit chat was over for that evening. Yeah. So Scott and April did take the lead on this final night. And so they went upstairs. They started fucking on a bed in one of the two playrooms that we had set up. Yeah. And if any of you ever get the chance to watch Scott and April fuck, (laughs) just do yourself a big favor. Buy a ticket. Yeah. These are. Get a front row seat. (laughs) These are extremely fit, highly energetic individuals. Gorgeous. Who, and they're gorgeous. So they really put on a show. And they drew a crowd. They drew a crowd. Uh, which was exactly the intention. So the orgy finally got started. And the interesting thing about um, the way we set up the playrooms was one room was fairly large. So we had a queen size bed and two other mattresses on the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there was a twin bed in the back corner. And the room right next to it was a smaller space with a bunk bed and a twin bed. Clearly intended for kids. Right. And so when we saw that initially, we thought, well, no one is going to play in here. It's just ridiculous. So we took the mattresses off the bunk beds and put them on the floor in the other room. But it turned out I had my best sexual experience of the trip in that bunk bedroom. Right. And that's amazing. And it was because of one feature of every bunk bed, which is a ladder. Right. So we had uh, friends there, Lorraine and Kent, who we had met at a previous PCAP event, I think. Yes. And I knew that Lorraine was a budding dominatrix. Right. So she was getting into impact play. And I had said to her earlier in the weekend, I have an appointment with you. I want you to flog me. Yeah, you have something for skilled strangers. Because at that point, I would say Lorraine was still a stranger to us. But I've seen this pattern at other events where someone that you don't know but is reputed to have abilities, particularly with impact play, kind of gets your imagination going. Well, anytime someone says that they are either an expert in or learning about a skill like impact play, which I am a big fan of, I want to get the experience of their skill. Is that the teacher in you? Do you want to grade them? Is that the subconscious motivation? I think it's more I want to learn something. Oh, okay. I am a learner. Yes, Yes, you are. And so anyway, that night I said to Lorraine, let's go to the bunk room and you can tie me up. So she and her partner, Kent, jumped on that Mm -hmm. and got to work right away. So it was initially just the three of us and they handcuffed me, both my wrists and my ankles to the ladder on the bunk bed. Right. So my ass was facing the doorway. So anyone going by could see what was happening. So Lorraine started with a flogger and I would say she started at a level seven out of 10 for my liking. Right. Which, what would be your preference? Well, start at a two. Right. Just test the waters, see what my tolerances are, work me up to it. Now, in fairness to Lorraine, we've had people start at what? Nine, nine and a half. I've had people start at 11. Yeah. So um, she didn't quite go that far. Thank God. And that's the problem because it's so relative. What you consider to be a seven might actually have been her two. True. So the sound of her flogging, I guess, drew a little attention. And Scott and April, who had finished up in the main room, came in the door of the bunk room and they watched for a while. So as Lorraine continued to flog me, Kent got down between my legs and was licking my clit. And so Scott and April came and stood beside me and he was fucking her standing up. Okay, who was fucking who? Scott was fucking Okay, because we got to keep the character okay, straight right. here. Keep the pronouns clear. And then I asked him to put his cock in my mouth so I could taste her. So I bent oh. down as far as I could, still being handcuffed to the ladder. And he reached up as far as he could, and I was able to taste her pussy on you, his cock. 
You are such a multitasker. It was so good. And so we repeated that a few times. He would dip into her and fuck her for a bit and then kind of feed me her juices, which was, oh, my God, so sexy. Um, and, uh, and you know, and then April would come up and kiss me. And Kent continued between my legs. And Lorraine continued to flog me. And it was just all the sensations at once. Now, I imagine our listeners are noticing that there's a character missing in this story. Where was Liam in all of this? Yeah, Liam was having a tough time. So you think all of the buildup to this final explosion of orgiastic pleasure amongst <laughs> swingers who have denied themselves through sexual exhaustion for five days would have him right in the center of action. But that wasn't the case. And this is a theme that played out over and over again through this trip. And that is my discomfort in group play situations. So I was actually down the hall in our bedroom. Doing what? Probably panicking slightly. Lying on the bed, looking at Instagram or Twitter, probably. Yeah. While but an orgy is happening next door. I know, but Literally, our room was right next door to the orgy room. Wow. Really next door? Yeah. Okay. Well, it felt <laughs> like it was further away. Felt like it was at least two rooms away. But anyway, that doesn't really make any difference because I was feeling, I think, a familiar sense of panic over how to conduct myself in a group play situation. So where most people think of it as very easy, you just find someone who's available and welcoming and you know what to do. You start to touch them gently or kiss them lightly. And if there's an invitation to go further, you go further. That's what swingers know how to do. Except? Except me. <laughs> and I have a very tough time judging when my advances will be welcome. And I have such a fear of being told no, that I would much rather avoid the engagement than have the potential of rejection. Right. So after I was uncuffed, I went from being kind of the center of the action to a bit of a fifth wheel while Scott and April paired off with Lorraine and Kent and fuck them. So I just kind of flitted about and did my little group play thing, found ways to, I think, augment other people's experiences, but I didn't actually have sex with anyone that night. So as the action with them was winding down, you finally came into the room. Yeah, I had decided that I needed to be a part of this, even if I wasn't feeling innately enthusiastic. I I needed to use my mind over my emotions and just get in there, having faith that something good would happen. Of course, it was too late for me. Well, it wasn't exactly too late for you because now that you were not engaged with anyone else, I had a partner to play with, which was you. So we actually had very good sex, if you remember, on the twin bed in the back of the room. And after that, we came over. Now, Kent and Lorraine, April and Scott had finished what they were doing. And we were having a very nice, intimate conversation when Lorraine said, can I taste you? And I said, yes. And so she got on her knees and gave me like extremely good oral sex. Not in the way that I was going to come because I almost never come from oral sex, but she was clearly enthusiastic about it. And that enthusiasm transferred to me. And so eventually she got off her knees and we spent time holding each other and kissing each other. Which would have been a great opportunity for you to say to her, hey, Lorraine, want to go back to the bed? And you could have had a little one-on-one -on -one time with her, but you didn't. Yeah. And that's partly how my mind works. So I'm thinking, wow, I saw with my own eyes her having sex with at least two other people. If I make the same proposal, is she going to say, oh, my pussy's kind of worn out at this point. 
So I take the safe route, which is just to enjoy our time together. And it was really good. And we did connect as two people. And if one stops privileging intercourse as the be all end all of sex, it was a very successful engagement for me. Well, that's a nice way to get yourself off the hook. But really, that's what I do. All you had to do was say, hey, you want to go do something and trust that she would be an adult enough to be able to answer honestly. And if her pussy was worn out, she could have said that. But I know. Um, she was on her knees in front of you. I know. Giving you oral like that is a pretty clear nonverbal sign that she's sexually interested in you. So you missed an opportunity there for sure. Oh, we can both agree on that. I definitely did. <laughs> So that was the end of our Montana trip, um, but it wasn't the end of our overall trip. There was an interesting little postscript to this. Yes, I have always been amazed at the way swingers generously help each other with information, with connections. Hey, I know someone. And we had a, hey, I know someone moment just before we left Montana. We were going to head to Denver after we were finished in Montana and spend a few days there. And one of the trip mates said, hey, I know a guy in Denver. Um, it was a single guy that she had played with a few years ago and they had stayed in touch. Yes. And we have not done a lot with single guys, but we have had really great experiences every now and then. So I think I looked at you, you looked at me and we said, yeah, let's give it a try. Chances are he won't even be available anyway on short notice, but we can always give him a call. But Turned out he was available. Yeah. And I was a little apprehensive because I don't usually sleep with people so soon after meeting them. And because we only had a couple nights there, it was going to be a pretty tight time frame. But you did insist that we have dinner first and communicated very clearly to this individual that if over dinner there was no real flow or chemistry, we weren't going to force something. And one of the ways he really sold himself to us is that he completely agreed with that approach. And it turns out the chemistry was definitely there. Yeah. He was super hot and very kind and very non-pushy. And so we met in the hotel restaurant and everything went super well. And we said, hey, you want to just come back upstairs after? And he did. And it was an amazing night. Yeah. And he's one of those people who you look at in action, say that is a gifted sexual performer. This is a person who actually has talent. It's not like, hey, we all just give in to our impulses and do what comes naturally. No, there are people who are really good at this stuff, and he was really good at it. That also became something of a pattern for us, too, that we would take our lifestyle adventures and embed them in a longer vacation. Which is what we did with our second trip. Podcast Palooza was almost exactly one month later, and it was held in Palm Springs this year. Yeah, we were so excited. We had been to all three of the previous Podcast Palooza events in New York in 2018, in Miami and Dallas in 2021. And we were excited to go to Southern California for the first time, especially at an event put on by Kate of Wanderlust Swingers, who really knows how to create an environment, an occasion that takes a group of amazing people and just lifts the possibilities to a higher level. Her attention to detail is outrageous. So yes. these events are always impeccably planned and there are little things everywhere that just show how much care and attention she puts into them. And so they bring people back year after year, event after event. And I think that's what I love most about PCAP is that every time we go, we meet new people who are interesting and interested in the lifestyle and in doing it well. And those are our kind of people. 
And the reason those people are brought together is because the whole event is built around seminars. So it's podcasters giving talks on subjects that they are passionate and informed about. So we did two of them, actually. I did one on the subject of erectile dysfunction and the various solutions that are available out there as a way of taking down the stigma around the subject and just having a very open, honest conversation and revealing my own struggles. And then jointly, we did a seminar on something that our listeners will be familiar with us talking about, which is separate dating. If you've listened to episodes 8, 9, and 10 from season 1, you'll know that Liam really wanted to date separately. And we tried it in several different ways on different occasions, and every time I found it very triggering. So we were going to try something new at PCAP. I had met a woman back in February at, coincidentally, Kate's birthday party in Nashville, We had gotten together at a swingers club for one evening, and there was a woman who I'd never met before, only corresponded with online, and she was on the floor dancing to that song that, I don't know the title, but it goes, low, 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 (laughs) low. Apple bottom jeans. That's the one. It's a terrible song. It's a terrible song. (laughs) But she, like all the other women on the dance floor, did that dance where she went low, 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 and I saw that she wasn't wearing panties. Which to put I it, frankly. bet none of the women there were. Yeah. You happened to see her pussy. Yeah. And I just was immediately magnetically drawn to her. And I actually positioned myself to interrupt her when she came off the dance floor to have a chat with her. Because I also like the look of her as a person, her energy. And so I started talking to her and we had an intense 40-minute conversation about everything but sex. And as people may know, that's exactly the formula for me. An extremely sexual situation combined with an extremely unsexual conversation kind of gets my juices flowing. It's coming at me from both angles. So we had continued to correspond online after that. There was a lot of flirting. And then just before PCAP, her husband wrote me a note and said, By the way, if you would like to get together alone with Corrine in Palm Springs, you should ask her because I know she'd say yes. So that was like a bomb going off for me. And it was a compromise I thought I could make in the separate dating scenario. So you weren't going to take her out for dinner and spend a long protracted time with her. It was going to be an afternoon where I was in the pool hanging out with our friends and you could sneak off to the room and have a couple hours with her. Basically a hookup. Yeah, which I am comfortable with in theory. Right. So so it was all arranged and in advance, her husband said to me, you know what, if it's okay with you, I would like it if you videoed your encounter so that I could relive it after, see all those things I couldn't see in the moment. So I said, for sure, I will set that up. So I spent the afternoon in the pool and I guess my expectation was that maybe you would take an hour, maybe as much even as two hours. In the past, at other PCAPs, when I have gone off on my own with a man, it's taken about half an hour. So time was ticking by. At first, the pool was full, and gradually people started leaving because there were other things happening. There was a a whiskey tasting and a lingerie exchange, and I eventually found myself alone, basically, in the pool with uh, Kareen's husband. It was just the two of us. And three hours had passed since we had last heard from our spouses. So he was getting a little bit anxious, but in a positive way. And even though he had asked in advance for you to film it, when I told him that, yes, you were filming it, 
he was so excited, he actually got tearful, which I think was a combination of excitement and anxiety. Because at this point, both of us were wondering, when are you guys going to come out? I couldn't even go back to my room because that's where this date was happening. So by the time we saw you three hours later, you had had what turned out to be a pretty great experience. It was pretty super great, actually. So that long period of flirting online, getting to know each other in advance, really allowed us to start not from the beginning, but to start from a well-established connection. So what seemed like a long time for you was really timeless for me. We just both seem to be people who really enjoyed taking our time. And so we started with a lot of kissing and touching and moving very slowly from one stage to another, which is a thing that I favor rather than say taking off our clothes and saying, okay, we're here to fuck, let's go. We just did whatever we wanted with a total disregard for time. So I was mostly fine with it, other than that total disregard for time, because I was feeling a little bit, you know, put off by the fact that I couldn't even go back to my room and change. And I was missing these other events I would have liked to go to because I, I only had my wet bathing suit. Yeah. And that's a logistical challenge when it comes to playing separately. It's just where, when, and for how long is it going to happen? Right. So we hadn't discussed for how long you just kind of rolled with it, which, you know, should be fine. It would have been good though, if I had brought a change of clothes. Anyway, so later that evening, um, her husband, James, had a bit of a hard time with it. So they were at the party and he told me later that he just kind of shut down, um, that he was feeling anxious and disconnected because since your afternoon thing had gone right up to dinner time, they had had no time to reconnect. Um, they went right back to their room and rushed to get to dinner. So he had some anxiety and he felt like she handled it really well, that Kareen pulled him off the dance floor and they went and had some alone time where they could debrief and talk it through. And by the end of that night, he was feeling very positive about the whole thing. That is one of the things about James. He is such a positive individual and he is so in love with his wife and wants great experiences for her that he was willing to put himself in a situation where there actually was some discomfort, not initially, but as things evolved. But he was able to adapt to those feelings, process them, integrate them and come out on the other side stronger and more enthusiastic than ever. You and I, though, didn't really have that opportunity to debrief and to come out stronger on the other side, because in the past, one of the things I found really triggering was hearing the details of the intensity of your connection with these women. And I decided for this one, because this was still early in the event and we had a few more days to get through, I didn't really want to hear about it. So I was feeling mostly okay, and I thought, let's just let it lie, and maybe once the trip is over, then I might watch that video, or then we can talk about some of the details. But in the moment, I decided, I'm feeling okay, let's just leave it at that. And beyond that, there were far more experiences coming up that really worked for you, group sex experiences in a setting where there were so many people you were interested in. Yeah, there was a, a group of people that we had an orgy with in Dallas who were going to be there again at PCAT Palm Springs. And so we had chatted in advance about wanting to repeat that experience because it was really great. And we'd even gone as far as to schedule an evening early on in the weekend so that we could get that done for sure. So we ended up actually having two orgies with the same group and a foursome with our good friends, Jonathan and Jenna. But let's skip the details of all of that and jump right ahead to the last night. 
So we went to the playroom for the first time. And the playroom was spectacular. It was a gigantic ballroom with all different kinds of sex furniture and toys and accessories spread around the room. So we went down there and we had already had an orgy with this group of people. And when we walked into the room late, we saw these six people on the bed by the door. And I immediately thought, well, of course we're going to join them because we've already played with them a couple times and these are our friends. So I got right in there and um, started having fun with Jenna. You, however, stayed to the side. You just kind of stood there by the mattresses kind of awkwardly you didn't take your clothes off. You didn't try to engage or touch anyone. And so I was really feeling that presence as I was going down on Jenna. Yeah, that's a difficult thing. You know, there I am in a group of people who I really, really love. They are amazing people. We've had them to our home. But I'm feeling again, just like in Montana, that I don't know what to do. Just a few days before I had been alone in a hotel room with Corrine, I'd known that pleasing her was my sole focus and responsibility and it was easy. But in this group session where I'm seeing other guys with raging hard-ons bounce from woman to woman to woman, from scene to scene to scene, with complete ease and certainty, it's actually paralyzing for me. It's like those decisions that they're making in the moment, I'm going to need a good half hour to work through all the possibilities and implications in my mind, which I realize is ridiculous, but that's what it's like to be me in that situation. So there are two problems as I see it. First, in this situation and in Montana, and it will come up again in Antigua, your anxiety over participating in a group event causes us to arrive late when the action has already started. So it is harder to find a way in when you arrive to the orgy 40 minutes late. So that's the first issue. And the second issue is you imagine that the scenario in the bedroom with one woman is different from an orgy, but it's really not. You have one woman to please and your job is to give her sexual satisfaction when you're in the bedroom. And it's exactly the same in an orgy. Pick one person and make her your sole focus. Your job then is to please her and to give her sexual satisfaction. And maybe it's an ADD thing where you can't tune out the other people around you. But for me, in an orgy, it's just a whole bunch of one-on-one -on -one interactions. I just move from, you know, a one-on-one -on -one where I'm going down on Jenna and really focusing on her to maybe moving over to a one-on-one -on -one with her husband, Jonathan, where I'm really focusing on him. And so I don't see these two types of play as really all that different. Right. But in the hotel room with Corrine, I'd had a message from her husband saying, you should ask her to spend some time alone with you. And she had then confirmed that when I talked to her directly. But the women in that ballroom... Who you I had all played with before. Yes, but I had never had, hey, Liam, I want you to be with with me when we go downstairs. So I get it. Every other swinger in the world knows it's a given. And there you need a written like invitation, me. literally. <laughs> I need a written invitation, preferably on formal stationery, gold embossed, which Corrine and her husband had given me, but I didn't have in this situation. And it's not about the logic, because I know people are listening to this and saying, well, come on, you know, by this stage. In fact, these women themselves will say, come on, like, you know, I've given you so many signs that I like you. And they would be right. But it's not about the logical processing of that information. At a deep level, my gut says, I don't know. And it turns out in that situation, my gut is in charge, not my logical brain. 
So that was our last night at PCAB. And I had a lot of fun at that event. And I think you had fun in your own way, just at different times. <laughs> yes, it was a little disconnected in terms of us as a couple. But we were able to reconnect afterward because we stayed in Southern California for what turned out to be another week. So we hiked in Joshua Tree. We got a house in the desert and it was fantastic. And we scaled Mount San Jacinto. That's right. Just outside of Palm Springs. Which was an amazing experience. And we actually took our clothes off on the mountaintop and had sex overlooking Coachella Valley. So after that hike and then hiking in Joshua Tree and spending a couple days there, we went to Orange County and stayed with friends there for three nights. And these were friends we had also met at a lifestyle event. It was Nadia New Orleans back in 2019. That's right. And Nadia New Orleans is the next event we're going to talk about. But first, let's take a little break. All right. See you in a minute. Listening to this episode, you have no doubt figured out we love to travel, especially with sexy lifestyle friends. Although we're taking a bit of a break right now, as we record this in September of 2022, we're already planning our 2023 travel schedule. Yep, it starts in January with the fresh turn of the year, and we'll be going to Gatlinburg for a ski trip with our friends at Naughty Gym. I think as of this recording, there are still a few spots available for that trip. So if you'd like to come play in the snow with us in the Smoky Mountains, check them out. And right after that, in February, we'll be going from the cold to the warm weather of Mexico with room. 77's flirtation event. They're doing a full takeover of a boutique hotel in Isla Mujeres. Yes. And unfortunately, that event is sold out. It was sold out within the first three days, but there is a wait list if you'd like to join. So go to room77life.com to check them out. Speaking of events we just cannot miss, Kate from Wanderlust Swingers has rebranded the PCAP event and she is now hosting Libertine events. So for those who have been to PCAP in the past, you will already have received the email with the pre-announcement for her upcoming takeover as Libertine. And we will, of course, be there. We have not missed a single PCAP. So we've already signed up. And for people who are not on that advanced mailing list, watch for details coming soon. We also want to let you know that we are planning to organize some travel events for 2023, and we expect to announce the details on our various platforms very soon. So just a couple of weeks after our PCAP adventure in Palm Springs, it was time for Naughty New Orleans, an event we've been to twice before, and this would be our third time. So we went in 2019, mm -hmm. and then last year, 2021, where it was at about half capacity, I think. I think so. And then this year, they were back close to full capacity. So this event is kind of similar to PCAP in that there are seminars during the day mm -hmm. and nightly parties, but it's like PCAP on steroids because there are 2,200 people right. instead of 150. And there are three hotels instead of one. So people are more spread out. There are way more opportunities for meeting new people, but also a lot of opportunities to miss meeting people just because right. it's so vast. Yes, it's very overwhelming. But if you can distill it into something manageable for yourself and your partner. It can be amazing. I remember we went to a seminar last year by a woman named Dragonfly, and we're going to put a link to her website in the show notes. And it was fascinating because we've done speed dating a number of times. It's a great 
thing to do at swinger events. You're basically just talking to one couple for five minutes, then another couple for five minutes, then another. But Dragonfly gets people arranged in a circle and you have one-on-one wordless speed dating. So everything that you're going to communicate to this new person you've just met can only be done through touch, basically. So it usually involves hugging that person, breathing deeply with them. And I found it very powerful. And other people I've talked to found it very powerful. We really wanted to go back to it this year, but we weren't able to because of scheduling. Yeah, that's one of the problems with this event is that there are so many things that overlap. It's really hard to choose which one am I going to go to. So while there are seminars happening in the afternoon, there are also multiple parties, four parties a day happening at different bars on Bourbon Street. And then in the evening, you also have the big party in the conference rooms where everyone comes together in their costumes. So there's a lot happening. And don't forget the playrooms. They take an entire floor of this hotel, conference rooms and breakout rooms, and they transform them into beautiful themed play spaces. And they are extremely popular. You go to the second floor of the Astor Crown Plaza and someone says right away, you've got to take off all your clothes, put them in a bag. This is a nude only space. And you're just wandering the halls looking for opportunity trying to find a space to get together with your partner or some new person or couple that you're interested in. It's really an amazing scene, unlike anything anywhere else. So my highlight, my sexual highlight of that event was in one of those playrooms. Mm. Um, Scott and April and I went to the white room. So it's a, a room that's kind of romantically lit with little white Christmas lights and there are white sheer curtains between the beds. So you get a little sense of privacy, but you also know that you can see through those curtains. Mm -hmm. So the three of us were there and we have such amazing sexual chemistry. We were putting on a clinic and a couple of times I looked up and there were people all around our bed watching. I mean, we should have sold tickets. And again, there's a character missing from that story. That's me. And once again, where's Liam? Yeah, but this was a situation where I think it worked for everyone. I know that you're going to be really well taken care of. I know that you're going to have a very fulfilling experience with these two people we're so close to. And there's no pressure on me to try to find a role for myself. But it's not like you were sitting in the hotel room twiddling your thumbs. No, I wasn't. You were having a threesome of your own. Yes, because one of the other couples at Naughty was Kareen, the woman I'd had that great experience with in Palm Springs, and her husband, James. So you had expected that because things went so well at PCAP that you were going to have another opportunity with her. And I thought, yeah, that's a totally reasonable expectation. But before we go into Naughty, maybe I should watch that video. So you had made the video at Podcast Palooza, and I hadn't really wanted to watch it immediately. So now maybe three weeks after the event, I watched the video. And keep in mind, this was a three-hour play session and you had two hours of it on video. So this was a lot of information to take in. Yes. And I found it extraordinarily triggering. Right. (laughs) So um, there were a couple of things about it that set me off. So the first was, as you had alluded to, you spent the first hour kissing her. And so That made for very boring video watching, but super triggering emotional experience for me. Because you've never spent an hour kissing me, like ever, in 11 years. So, (laughs) But sweetie, one thing I'm very certain of is that you have no interest in kissing me for an hour. And by the way, I don't think it was a full hour, but whatever it was, you're right that it was a lot longer than we've ever spent. But to my mind, that was something that made total sense for Karina and I that just wouldn't work at all between you and I. I've never got the give me more vibe from you when we've stopped kissing. 
There was this slow and drawn out intimacy that was unfolding in front of me in a way that was very unfamiliar. And so that was the first hour. And then the second hour was very intense and connected sex. So I've talked to you in the past about wanting to be more connected to you during sex. What tends to happen is we both kind of close our eyes and go off to our fantasy land where we have almost an individual experience, even though our bodies are working together. And I'd like to be more connected to you. And you have said in the past that you can't do that, that if you open your eyes and look at me, that you'll be distracted and you won't be able to come. And I had accepted that that was just who you are and how you function sexually. But as I watched this video, I saw evidence that that is not who you are, that you were in fact able to open your eyes and gaze into her eyes for a long period where that connected intimacy seemed to be happening. And that was like setting me off like crazy because I thought, okay, there's something going on here between you two that you seem to believe is not possible between us. There is a intimacy that you have with her that you have said you cannot have with me. And that spoke to me of real problems in our sex life, in our relationship. Yeah. And I saw it unsurprisingly completely differently. So when we have sex together, there is a part of what we do as primary partners that is about having orgasms. And with a person like you, with whom I am getting my diet of orgasms, I can't get there unless I really close off into my own mental space. And I would argue that it's the same for you too. But during my time with Kareen, I have different objectives. I'm not planning on coming, or if it happens, that's great, but it's not essential to the experience of really connecting with that person. So I can do the long time of kissing, if that's what she wants, the long time of eye gazing, because I'm not worried about having an orgasm. But if I did that with you every time, I would never have an orgasm again. But there has to be a place in the middle where you can be connected to me for part of the time we're having sex, where you can open your eyes and look at me for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then close your eyes and go into your coming space. It's not an all or nothing game, right? It's not zero sum here, like come or don't come. So the thing I had been asking for, and this came up with with Caitlin when you described the intense connection and the shaking with your desire for her. And, and I felt like, man, I'd really love to have that with you. So I guess the pattern is I see these things happening with other women or hear about them happening that I have asked for in the past. And you've told me you can't do them. And then when I see or hear about evidence to the contrary, it feels really like, okay, this is a me problem then. Because you can do these things with other women. It's not that you're incapable of connecting or having that intimacy or desire. It's that you don't have them for me. Well, you actually made a good point in there, which is there is no reason that I can't do that as part of the process of being together before, say, going off to the mental space where orgasm becomes possible. So I think of that as being one of the good things to come out of this situation where it became clear to me, oh, yeah, that is something I can do more of. I need to make our lovemaking more varied rather than a kind of a drive to coming. Yeah. So I think that's just like a really good point and something that since then I've really tried to implement and is very rewarding. So it's not like, well, I'm going to do this thing that you like. It's crap for me, but here you go. It's like, no, you've brought up a point that can make it better for me. So we are 
getting way off topic here. Let's get back to Naughty in New Orleans. Sure. So anyway, I watched this video very shortly before we left, and I had already agreed to let you have another one-on-one time with her. But watching this video made me feel really uncomfortable again. Mm -hmm. And so a solution presented itself because James wrote you and said he would be interested in having a threesome where you were kind of like the single guy for them. Yes. And so I thought that sounded like a good compromise that I would join them in a threesome. I like him. I can't tell you how much I like him as a person. He's such a wonderful human being. And so we arranged to have a threesome on the same night that you were having a threesome. Yeah, so it worked out well. And having James in the room helped to alleviate some of my concerns about the intense intimacy that was potentially going to happen with you and Kareen. So I felt good about that until the end of the evening where after Scott and April and I were finished in the playroom, I went back up to our room and there you were in the middle of your threesome. So once again, I felt like, oh, I can't really go into my room. In fact, I entered using my key and was surprised to see you guys still hot and heavy. So I left and I went and sat down in the lobby for about half an hour and um, several people tried to pick me up because they thought I was single at one in the morning. So overall, a good evening for the two of us. Maybe could have been better time coordinated, but we were having fun and the event continued. Yeah, one of my vanilla-ish highlights of that week was I got to walk in the sexual freedom parade. So at the end of every naughty, there is a parade where everyone dresses in white and they have floats and we go down Bourbon Street and across Canal and people line up on the sidewalks to take pictures and to cheer on the swingers and to gawk at the (laughs) costumes. So in the past, we have not participated in that because I've been worried about losing my job. And I guess we can say now that I was a high school teacher for 22 years and I had just in June submitted my resignation and I was feeling my freedom and I was really excited about walking down that street and just shamelessly showing my face. And if people wanted to take my picture and put it on Instagram, I didn't even care. Right. So that was great for me. And um, I walked with one of the couples that we had met in Montana and connected with really well. And it was so freeing and lovely to be able to hold her hand and walk down the street and just feel like this is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with how we live. And I'm proud of us. And I'm proud of these people I'm with. And it was pretty moving. I almost cried a little bit. That's wonderful. But shortly after that, you started to feel unwell. Yeah, I got a scratchy throat and I thought it was just from talking over these loud parties every night and not sleeping enough. But right before the final party on the last night, I started to get a fever and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. But my FOMO is so real that I threw back some Advil, put my costume on and went down to dance for at least a little while. And you made an offer to me because you felt like sex was not in the cards with anyone that evening. So you said, if I wanted to get together with Kareen again, one-on-one, not a threesome with her and her husband this time, but one-on-one, that you would be okay with that. Yeah. So I felt like I kind of owed that to you because if I'm not feeling well, I don't want to be the thing that holds you back from having a good time. So I danced for a while and people started to disappear And at some point I looked around and realized I was the only one of our friend group on the dance floor. And um, I wandered around the lobby and talked to Ray and Dee from Euphoria Chronicles and Mickey and Mallory from Casual Swingers and just kind of wandered back to my room alone and uh, lay there with a raging fever and had a pretty terrible evening. So as soon as you had told me that I had that hall pass, so to speak, I 
reached out to Corrine to find out if she was even available that evening, but she was. And playing separately would work well for her because James had something going on with another woman. So we agreed to meet on the second floor. But this was the last night and the playrooms were jammed. And so we circled through a couple of times. It became obvious that we were not going to find a place to get together. So we put our clothes back on and went down the street to her hotel. So this time you obviously needed our room. So we went back to her room and had our second one-on-one time, the second time since PCAP. And it was again a very good experience because As so often happens, at least with someone like me, building up familiarity just makes things better. And so that was definitely the case. But I was mindful that I was not going to just take unlimited time wherever the feelings took us, but that I would try to keep to about an hour and a half and then come back so you could count on seeing me at a certain point. But as soon as I got back to the room, I saw how sick you really were. And I felt badly that I had not picked up on those cues. Well, the universe rewarded you with a fever of your own the next day. And it turned out we both came down with COVID. Yes, that's such a cliche of a swinger event that everyone gets together and swaps bacteria or viruses in this case. Well, that's what happens. And thus ended our time in New Orleans. We had some amazing experiences, but the closing note was definitely a downer. Thankfully, we had just enough time to recover from COVID in the two weeks between Nadia New Orleans and Antigua, our final trip of the summer. Not only were we excited about returning to this gorgeous resort, but we were extra excited because we were going to share our villa with two of our favorite lifestyle couples, Dominic and Maria, our Italian friends who we've written lots about on the blog, and the Honey Spoons, Jonathan and Jenna, who we've become quite close with over the past year. Yes, and beyond that, we were actually bracketing this trip with two stays in New York because we couldn't get a direct flight to Antigua and had to stop in New York on the way down and on the way back. We decided to make those two-day stays. So on the way down, we were joined by Jonathan and Jenna, and on the way back, we would be joined by Dominic and Maria. Yeah, so on both ends of that Antigua trip, we were able to have some cultural fun <laughs> with uh, with our friends and have a nice dinner out and see a show. And so it turned out to be a wonderful week and a half away. Yes. And this event itself is really special. It started last summer with Richard and Lauren from the Room 77 podcast taking over an entire resort on the beautiful island of Antigua and assembling about 75 couples, I guess, to come and enjoy each other. And I don't know if they exactly vet all of the guests, but it seems like a highly hand-selected group of really smart, high-energy, attractive people. Yeah. So many hot bodies. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And the resort itself is so amazing, not only because it's a gorgeous five-star place, but there's also a private island just off the coast. Right. Prickly Pear Island. Yeah. So you can take a boat across. It's like a seven-minute boat ride. And they have built out this island. Last year, we were there, and it was kind of a deserted, natural island. And it was spectacular. But this year, they have put up a bar, and they've got beach chairs and a whole lounge area. So not only have you got this pristine water and white beach, um, you've also got comfortable places to hang out. So we were there, I think, three times during the week. And they had nightly theme parties that are super unique. Leather and feathers was, I think, my favorite theme. Uh, The zero fucks given theme is always fun because you can just do whatever you want. Right. Um, I just wore like a thong and pasties because it's hot as hell there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
And we were, in addition to being there with our friends in the villa, there were lots of other people we knew from previous events. So Scott and April of Naughty Gym were there again. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Red and Ready, who we shared our villa with last year, Mm -hmm. returned and had the villa next door. Um, And there were some new friends in that villa. Yes, especially one new friend. I don't know if this is who you meant, but Ashley Del Toro, who was there on a special mission. He had been brought in by Richard and Lauren to study the concept of allowing into this couples-only vacation a few hand-selected single guys. So Ashley is a single guy, a very impressive single guy, and he actually ran focus groups asking people what they would think about having single males allowed. And, you know, that really resonated with us because, as we mentioned, we had a great single guy experience in Denver just a few months before, and we have in the past, too, even though single guys often get a bad rap in the lifestyle. Well, we were very happy to have him there. I remember the first night we were all sitting out in our little private hot tub in the villa and we heard slapping and squealing and moaning and we looked up and Ashley's suite was the top one um, in the villa beside us. And we could see the show that he was putting on up there just go into town on a lucky lady. So that was our introduction to our week in Antigua. The sexy fun continued on the second night there when our villa mates, Jonathan and Jenna, arranged for an eight-person orgy. And these guys are fire starters. You call me a fire starter, they are even better. If you want to have a 12-person orgy at midnight, they will arrange that. It will happen. So they went out there and gathered people and brought them back to our place. And we walked into their suite on the top floor And the scene was just sexiness everywhere. There were, I think, four to six people on their king-size bed, and they had dragged in the double mattress from our extra room down the hall. And there was just fucking and sucking and licking and gorgeousness everywhere. So I was super excited to walk into that scene. You were slightly less excited. Well, by this stage in the summer, I knew that group sex was not really working for me. So I said to you, you know, why don't you just go up? It's literally one floor above us. I'm right down here, but I will feel a lot better if I allow you to enjoy your time without having to worry about me and my inability to fit in. So that first night, I went ahead without you and had a great time. I was instantly drawn to one of the new faces Mm -hmm. slash pussies in the room. (laughs) And there's a couple uh, who just started a new podcast. Gypsy and a Gentleman is the name of their podcast. And so Gypsy and Rick were up there and her energy immediately drew me to her. We hadn't really exchanged more than introductions, but when I saw her on that bed on the floor, I just wanted to get over there to her. So can you tell me what it was about her? Can you put your finger on it, so to speak? (laughs) Um, I put my tongue on it. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know. I think there's there's a sweetness to her. Mm -hmm. And they're fairly new to the lifestyle. And I think I do enjoy being kind of a Sherpa for people who are new because I feel like I'm intuitive and can be kind of gentle and very aware of people's cues. And so there was a little bit of that, me feeling like I would like to be her introduction to Mm -hmm. orgies. I knew this was their first orgy ever as well. So um, I guess there's a little bit of that. But also she's just... Uh, a lovely person. She gives off really sweet, genuine, gentle energy. And so I went over there and just said hello and got down between her legs. And I think I showed her a good time. 
Well, that is great. Of course, there were other people in the room that I had fun with as well. Um, Jonathan and Jenna, I played with them for a bit. And Maria and Dominic showed up. And so I was playing with them. And who else was there? Carl and Jennifer from Australia? No, they were not there that night. Anyway, it was a great time. It's a great time when you can't remember all the couples who are in your orgy. there was a lot happening. And so I came back down afterward and you were... I think asleep at that point. <laughs> I might have been. So we had another opportunity to join an orgy two days later where there were 10 people upstairs. Same setting, same scenario, but with an additional couple. And uh, this time I really wanted you to come. I mm-hmm. didn't want to be that person who always showed up single to the orgy. Yeah. And just to be clear, I don't want you to be either. I get that there is something in it for you if I am with you at one of these events. Least of all, just looking around and saying, couple, 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 oh, and I'm the one person who's a single, not part of a couple. So I really wanted to strike a balance between being true to myself, what works for me, what doesn't work for me, and still being a really good partner. And I realized I could not be a good partner if I did not show up to at least one of these events with you. In fact, I think we'd had that conversation either earlier that day or the day before because it had become a running joke between me and Scott from Naughty Jim where I would show up, you know, and we had seen each other over multiple events without you. And he would say, where's Liam? And I'd say, I don't know where Liam is because quite frequently I would be alone. So whether that was in the pool or at one of the bar parties at Naughty in New Orleans or dancing at, you know, a party at night, I was frequently without you. And it was starting to really bother me that you were absenting yourself from these situations where I really wanted to be a part of them. So my choice was either I stay in the room with you, which felt like I'm missing everything. I get deep FOMO. Or I go alone and feel kind of abandoned. Right. Sometimes you were going to things alone, not orgies. They were just perfectly vanilla social interactions, but they were happening during the day. And as I was trying to take steps to ensure that I could be a good partner for you, part of it is the realization that I'm not a late night person. So it is a terrible feeling to go into an orgy at 11 o'clock at night, feeling like I would pay not to have to go to this so I could just go to sleep because my body is screaming with fatigue right now. So to counter that, I would make some time during the day to take a nap, hopefully to recharge my batteries so I would be able to go later in the evening. But I get that the end result is just another instance where there's Kate without Liam. Yeah, and everybody else is there with their partner. So it stands out in that setting. Anyway, so you had agreed that you would try harder to come with me to things and leave me alone less. Mm -hmm. And so the opportunity to go up to this orgy just one floor above us was the first chance you had to prove that you were going to do that, but you didn't want to go. While the orgy was happening, we spent 40 minutes in our room just below it. And I was trying to at first talk you into it and then seduce you into it. Which Um, you did a great job of. Because you did something that in our 11 years together, you've never done for me before. And I've never even thought to ask for it. So it's not like it was an oversight. And that was you danced naked for me, as John Cougar Mellencamp would say. (laughs) Terrible song. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I had talked to you about coming up and I thought, well, maybe I'll just see what I can do to get you turned on. So 
I was already naked and, you know, it was the end of a long day at an all-inclusive, so I was probably a little bit intoxicated. And I just started dancing. We had some music on, we had some lights on, and you were watching. And I thought, okay, this is maybe going to work. So I made it a little more erotic and, you know, <laughs> got yeah. low, low, low for you. Um, that thing that worked for you when you saw Kareen doing it on the dance floor. And um, you started getting turned on. So Yeah, super turned on. Yeah, so you were pretty hard in our room. But the journey from our room up one flight of stairs to Jonathan and Jenna's room completely deflated not only your erection, but also your confidence. Right. And it's not confidence. It's just enthusiasm. So on an intellectual level, I know that I'm desirable. I feel really good about myself. I feel really attractive. What I don't feel in that situation is sexual. And I don't feel like I know exactly what to do. So it's almost like a skill set deficit. So we went up there and again, there were people on the king size bed and people on the mattress on the floor. And at first you just kind of stood there, similar to that night in the playroom at Podcast Palooza, where you just kind of stood beside the bed feeling awkward. And then I said, come on, come lie down on the bed with me. And we got a little sliver of mattress right at the top where the pillows should be on the king mattress. And you kind of lay there against the headboard and you just stayed there all evening. Right. What was going on in your head during that time? Well, I have to say, too, that I'm very aware of looking completely out of place. So it's not like, I think everything's cool. It's like, no, I can see. I look ridiculous right now. But I can't address it in any way. So the idea of approaching someone with no sexual energy and trying to fake it till I make it just seems impossible. I think another part of our problem that was, again, similar to PCAP was we showed up late. So by the time we got there, any foreplay, any slow, gradual progression into sex had already happened. And so people were already in full-on fucking mode. And to walk into that probably feels a little like, how do I find a space for myself here. Um, but maybe if we had been there at the beginning, we could have been part of the slow build up to what we eventually walked into. So I understand how that might feel awkward. Well, I also want to say that I don't want to sound defeatist. It seems ridiculous in year 11 of our lifestyle adventure to think I'm still working on this. I have some plans. I think I can do better. But that's my natural inclination. So I'm already thinking of ways I would try to do things differently. So I'm not giving up on the group sex idea, but it's been a long time. Right. So I was totally down for having fun. Yeah. And I definitely did. I got uh, spit roasted, <laughs> mm -hmm. which means I was getting fucked on one end and sucking on the other end between Jonathan and Dominic. And Gypsy and Rick were there again. And I had another wonderful time with her. This time, not only did I go down on her, I also did some scissoring, which I've become pretty good at, I think, in the past year. Yeah, you're very good at it. And, From a um, spectator's perspective. <laughs> yeah. I heard later um, from someone else who was not at the orgy that that kind of blew her mind. Oh. So, <laughs> someone who witnessed it? No, someone who heard her talk about it the next day. Oh, so that okay. was nice to that hear a secondhand report that she was talking about me. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I had an amazing time. And you eventually started to loosen up. So I think as people started to kind of wind down and drift into different partners or different places, um, you connected with Maria. 
Yeah, Maria is someone who I've known for five years. She's the person I've had the most sex with, aside from you, in our whole lifestyle experience. So it's very easy for me to connect with her in a situation like this. Also, another pattern that was repeating itself, if you remember in Montana, finally, at the very end, I had a really great experience with Lorraine. And so that's another thing. In an orgy situation, I feel like, yeah, I need the first hour just to observe, to get a feel for the cast of characters. If your video is any indication, you need the first hour to kiss. (laughs) Yeah, but that is a factor in the success of my one-on-one experiences that is hard to transfer to group experiences. It's like an unwritten rule that you can't monopolize someone for that long. But I think that idea of time is a big factor because when I look back on our various experiences through the years, often just as things were winding down, I finally felt comfortable and was able to have really great experiences with individuals just kind of when everyone else is finished. Yeah. So you were able to have sex with her. Yes. And she was the one woman you fucked during the week. I think so. Besides you multiple times. (laughs) Right. But I think I have to add right here that my experience across these four different trips sounds like a tale of woe outside of the moments of glory that I had one-on-one with Corrine. But that would be a complete misrepresentation of what occurred. I had an unbelievable time at all these events. And that was mainly in two dimensions. One, on the social side, the connections I was able to make with people were off the charts during that time. Like just so many unbelievable conversations, so often feeling a deep sense of connection with an individual I've just met. And then on the second side, sexually, the flirting, the banter, the sexual energy in social situations was unbelievable for me. So for the most part, that translated into amazing sex with you, because I think of it very much like being a sponge, soaking up sexual energy from the environment, from things that are said, from gestures that are made, and then taking that to the person that you love the most and have the most experience with. So I want to make that very clear. I had an amazing time. Because I was struggling in one area does not mean that I was struggling in every area. In fact, I felt like I was flourishing in every other area. Yeah. And that energy you talk about bringing back to me kind of came to a climax on the very last night in Antigua because it was my birthday. And I decided for my birthday, I wanted to do my yearly MDMA trip. Mm. (laughs) So I took just half a capsule that I had been saving since last July. And you and I had a night of beautiful, connected, spiritual sex. (laughs) Yeah, super hot sex. Yeah. So I think... You know, my original vision of that night was that I would do this with a group of people. But I decided at the end that I had spent a lot of time with other people over the past four months. And what I really wanted most on my birthday was just to be with you. That was exactly how I felt. Because you know what? I actually went into that last night thinking that, hey, let's give the group sex thing another try. Let's do it. I feel a renewed sense of optimism that maybe I can do things a little bit differently. And I have often at the tail end of trips say on the seventh day at hedonism or a desire, suddenly felt a great flourishing of confidence and know-how. So I was excited about doing that. But at a certain point with you, after you had taken the MDMA, I realized, oh, my best sexual opportunity by orders of magnitude is to stay right in this room with you and enjoy everything we can come up with together. 
So it was a nice way to end not just that trip, but our big season of travel. And I came away from it feeling kind of exhausted, mm-hmm. um, a little bit tired of other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I seem very extroverted, but ultimately at my core, I am introverted and I was depleted and I was tired. And I was kind of looking forward to just spending, you know, a couple of months not being a swinger and connecting with you and re-strengthening our foundation together. Yes. And getting back to our podcast. Yeah. The Poor Neglected Podcast. Which we've now just done. So we thank all of you for joining us here for yet another season of the Monogamous Marriage Podcast. And we promise, promise. We do promise. That we will be back at least once a month for the next eight to nine months. We're saying eight. Let's (laughs) under promise and over deliver. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Bye. Oh, hey, I love you. Oh, that's right. We forgot. It's been a few months. I love you too. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to keep in touch between podcasts, you can follow us on Twitter at Monogamish1 for our joint account, or you can follow us separately. I am at Kate Monogamish on Twitter. And I am at Landon underscore Liam on Twitter. We're also both on Instagram. We are. And I am under The Monogamish Marriage, or you can just search for Kate Monogamish on Instagram. Or Liam underscore VS underscore time. So that's Liam versus time on Instagram. So that's got to be more of The Monogamish Marriage than you could possibly want. But if it's not quite enough... You can also email us directly at the monogamish marriage, one word, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon.